I don't like band work post throw just because it's like, mm-hmm. or sprinting work post throw just because it's you, like you taking a marathon runner and having them run more to cool down. You know, you're, you're, you're taking an already exhausted muscle group or a system and exhausting it more. Hey, and welcome to Ahead of the Curve. I am Jonathan Gellner, and thank you so much for joining us. Today we have on DJ Edwards, who is the owner and director of performance at Push Performance. A couple of the topics we get into, how to individualize training in a team setting. I know, you're all surprised that I asked about that. What we can do to make sure our players are moving better. And DJ goes in depth with their assessment program. And he also talks about why breathing is so vital to any program. Ladies and gentlemen, I love this conversation with DJ Edwards. DJ Edwards, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Well, you know, we are wrapping up summer and getting into fall baseball, and the coaches listening would love to add some stuff to their program, and I know that you're the man for the job to be able to do that, but if you don't mind, just give us a short snapshot of your baseball background and why you decided to get into coaching. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't know if I'm the the man for the job, but thank you for that. (laughs) (laughs) Appreciate that. Yeah, so... You know, I played, uh, I grew up in California. I'm in Denver right now, but originally from Northern California. I uh, grew up in the Sunnyvale Mountain View area. Obviously a big baseball community out there. So, uh, my dad and I just kind of grew up together playing baseball and it was shot, you know, shot an interest to me. And of course, every kid wanted to be a professional baseball player later. You know, later on, I realized that that wasn't going to happen. Uh, you know, I got to play uh, college baseball and went to high school out here in Colorado and had some, some success, but wanted to be around the game and wanted to be, you know, give kids everything that I missed. I wanted to, you know, teach kids, you know, the correct movement patterns. You know, I feel like baseball is a super underserved pod population with uh, the strength side where a lot of, you know, strength coaches are football players, which is fine. Uh-huh. Um, you know, we kind of get underlooked being the non-revenue sport at the collegiate level and whatnot. But, you know, we really want to, I wanted to take my passion, which was science and, you know, my degree in exercise physiology and learn, you know, educate the kids and educate coaches and educate as many people as I can. I've, you know, obviously messed up plenty of times thinking I know it all, but you know, I've, the more I've been in the field, the more I realize I need other people around me to be educated and wanting to learn from them just as much as I need to teach them. Of course. Now talk to us about your current adventure at Push and how you guys got started there. Absolutely. Yeah, I actually uh, told my now um, at the time, she's like, I moved to Vail, Colorado, which is awesome. I was doing nothing but being a ski bum for a year. And she goes, what do you want to do with your life? And I was like, I want to be a personal trainer. She said that I have a degree. I want to use it. Mm-hmm. Um, she goes, awesome. Do it. So I applied to 24-hour fitness of all places, got a job there, realized it kind of sucks just because it wasn't working with the population I wanted, uh, like I mentioned before. And, you know, I ended up starting my own business, which is about seven years ago. Mm-hmm. I was training out of a uh, kind of a basement facility you know, couldn't drop weights, couldn't make noise, couldn't play music loud. Everything what you know we do now wasn't allowed to do. So I found a business partner, opened up a facility with him. That went south because he was just more interested in the girls and being a typical trainer and all that kind of stuff. Uh, kind of got in a lawsuit with him. So I failed quite a few times on that end. 
got in a lawsuit with him, got out of that lawsuit, met our current PT that we work with now through that, thank God, and then ended up opening our facility we have four and a half years ago now. So then we started with zero clients, zero baseball players, you know, and just got one kid, started, you know, on a monthly membership, kind of ate it for a little while, and then grew to three kids, grew to 15 kids, grew to 100 kids. So, uh, you know, we're slowly growing, we're getting there, but that's kind of how we started. I love it. And I love that you've mentioned failure several different times. And I think that we as coaches can always look back to different parts of our career and have had failures that have helped really define, you know, who we are and our career. But we talk about failing and failure being a dirty word, but it sounds like you've you know, let that propel you to where you are now. But say that I'm a high school kid and, you know, I was to walk through the doors at push and ask, you know, for you guys to train me. So what are some of the first things that you guys would do? Yeah. So we, uh, we'll have a guy come in, you know, usually it would be a agent calling us a, uh, college strength guy calling us if he's in town parent calling us for the high school levels, parent call us for youth levels. So um, it depends on where they're at in their in their uh, career. Usually if in town, we'll do, you know, initial consultation, initial assessment, have a quick conversation about goals, what they, uh, what they want to do, talk about their training background before, just, you know, a quick conversation about their history, what they would kind of, where they're at and say if they're a pro guy, where they're at in their contract, you know, what their agent wants out of stuff. Uh, if they're a college guy, what you know, if, what their plan is for summer ball, what their plan is for to start, whatever it may be, just kind of get them to know, get to know them a little bit better. Uh, after that, we'll get them on a table. We'll do, you know, to start our assessment process. You know, we'll test their uh, shoulder and hip. You know, we'll really test their internal rotation, external rotation, test uh, infrasternal angle of the rib cage, which you know kind of le- allows us to create their program through their breathing techniques. We focus, you know, they might have deviations there, narrow rib cage, wide rib cage, flared rib cage, whatever it may be. From there, we'll go into a Craig's test, uh, which is going to be kind of a retroversion, antiversion test of the legs. Kind of gives us a better way that the kid can squat, uh, how he's going to squat. If we don't back squat our guys, we do front squat, we do roof elevated split, split squats. You know, that's kind of gives us a little bit more information on that, on that end. After the infrasternal angle test and the shoulder test, I'll hand them up and we'll test uh, where or look at visually where their uh, scap is sitting on their rib cage. So I, ideal position of the superior border of the scap, we want to be uh, the th- or, you know the T2 area on the thoracic spine in borders and be about T8, which is essentially where they rotate through. So we see a lot of guys with you know decreased range of motion in their scap, decreased range of motion in their shoulders, whatever it may be. So we, you know, just look at that visually and then we'll get into more of a dynamic test with that, you know, abduction, flexion, all that kind of stuff. Uh, we'll test hip flexion, hip extension after that, abduction. And then after that, we'll have them fill out an athlete report. Athlete report. Our athlete report is more so how do you sleep, you eat, hydration levels, your stress levels, all that kind of stuff. So everything kind of coincides with each other. And then after that, we'll put them through a movement assessment. And then that's where we're going to kind of just basically created our own FMS or SFMA or whatever you want to call it. 
uh, where they're doing overhead lunges, overhead squats, reaches, uh, thoracic mobility tests with the rain, uh, rotation, extension, flexion, wall slot variations, yoga push-ups, push-ups. And then after that, we'll kind of discuss what we saw and then build their program for them. Love that. And for our coaches who don't have the background that you do and are in the team setting, thinking about guys like myself, if we wanted to run an assessment, can you give us some advice on some things that we can look for or measure? And I know a ton of coaches listening who run their own strength and conditioning programs. So can you help us out with that? Yeah, just maybe a simple squat, you know, body weight squat would be good how well they move movement movement is key right you know we're, our goal is to train athletes not just baseball players mm-hmm. or not just football players not just basketball players whatever it may be we want to create athletes so you can watch their lunge you can look at you know with, the, with no shoes on you can see how how stable they are anybody can tell if their their lunges you know falling over okay. um you know if they, you can test uh internal and external rotation of the shoulder just lay them down just get a kind of a visual of where they're at on their external rotation, internal rotation. If they have any kind of deviation there, that's pretty simple. You want to really focus, you know, focus on the internal external rotations. External rotation should be about 110 to 135 degrees. Just, yeah. you know, measure that out. Um, internal rotation should be about 50 to 70 degrees on a healthy shoulder. We'll see a lot less internal rotation capabilities in a thrower, you know, simple, just simple movements like that. And then, basic tests like if he's really stuck in extension you know maybe teaching him to get more you know do a little bit more anterior core control stuff like planks or dead bugs or reverse crunches you know if they can't rotate through the hips properly you know that's that's the reason why so if you if you see a kid not being able to rotate right um test test the lower back if you can't see a kid you know get overhead properly test test the shoulder so you know simple simple things like that Okay, I'm following you. Now thinking back to myself three to four years ago on external rotation, now I'm thinking that, man, okay, sleeper stretch will fix that, right? So instead of doing that and just cranking on the shoulder, what are some ways that we can help with uh, different shoulder rotations? Yeah, so our our biggest thing is breathing. We've learned from, we just took a course with uh, PFS out in Arizona Brandon and Mike and all those guys are great. They work with a lot of Arizona Diamondback stuff. And it's a lot of PRI stuff, but a little bit more uh, individualized, which is essentially what we do. But as a, for a team setting, you know, get them to breathe through their belly. Get them to breathe and reset their rib cage, reset their hips. Resetting the rib cage is going to reset the scap, which is going to reset the shoulder. So you're going to gain, you know, 15 on average. We gain 15 degrees before the kids do anything. Wow. Of, of rotation just by resetting the rib cage through the breathing techniques, uh, decreasing tension on the pelvic floor, you know, really allowing the kids to get into a better dynamic posture, static posture, just from the, from the breathing aspect of it. Take time to teach the kids to breathe properly and through the diaphragm, through the rib cage, all that kind of stuff. After that, it's going to be kind of simple stuff, you know, uh, 90%, 99%, I would say, of arm issues come from the scap. So address that, right? Do wall slides, do thoracic mobility, do anything like that, that, you know, guys are able to increase range of motion. Whatever you do, don't just yank on it. Don't just tug on it. Don't just pull on it. Don't just, you know, take a band and try and get, get passive range of motion. Try, you know, actually work in, you know, joint placement dictates muscle, muscle function, right? So 
we want to be able to keep that joint in line. And then from there, everything's going to kind of go, go together. Interesting. Now we hear a lot about we need to about how we need to get our players moving better. But can you explain what most people mean whenever they say that? Absolutely. Like I mentioned before, I want our guys to be as athletic as possible. So a lot of the issues we see when a kid first walks in the door is going to be kids. Like I just mentioned, kids are flared rib cage, overactive erectors, which is the muscle down your back, pulling them into extension in the lower back. Uh, you know, it's impossible to rotate properly through extension. So we want them to, you know, in a rotational sport like baseball, we want to increase internal rotation of the hip, decrease the extension. We want to increase extension through the thoracic spine. And you want to be able to move, make them move properly through rotation first, right? Our biggest thing is we want to teach the guys to dominate the sagittal plane first, which is up and down. So you want to, you know, teach them how to properly squat. You want to teach them how to properly lunge, all those different things. A lot of guys, anterior load or forward lean or whatever you want to call it, that's not dominating the sagittal plane. So that's that's what I, what I mean by moving properly is dominating the sagittal plane and kind of going from there into rotation and anti-rotation movements. Uh, once the sagittal plane, you're feeling it in your posterior chain, glutes, hamstrings, all that kind of stuff. I love it. Now, what should some of our main goals be for the off season? I know you're, you know, there's a ton of stuff that you've hit on already, and it obviously depends on the player's needs because, you know, a five seven kid, 160 pounds is not going to need the same goals as a six four guy that's 230 pounds. But all things considered, you know, what should we be focusing on? I think the number one thing after the season should be foundational strength. So uh, Zach Dakin talks about this a lot. The most important thing that you know that his incoming freshmen do are you know they squat three days a week, right? Mm-hmm. I have three I have three guys at TCU with him. You know and they and they they tell me they squat, they do chin ups, they do all that stuff three days a week just to dominate foundational movements. And you know essentially we do the same thing: dominate the foundational movements, address deficiencies in the first phase, you know, and then from there we're gonna you know work on us. We work personally on a strength speed continuum. So we want to address foundational strength, absolute strength, and then go to strength speed, adding a little bit of med ball work. Uh, then we'll go more into speed strength, which will be, you know, more, more speed work, ad- adding our sprinting, adding our cutting, adding all that kind of stuff. And then we'll go into our absolute speed right before this, where we're, you know, decreasing, decreasing the rotational component because they're probably ramping up on the, on the hitting side, the throwing side all that kind of stuff. But our, on our end, on the speed side, it's more, you know, moving the bar faster, moving the sled faster, whatever it may be, you know, adding cut, adding cuts, adding base running work, adding uh, sprints uh, a little bit more to their program. So they're ready to rock and roll for spring training or fall ball or, or uh, spring ball for high school guys. Fantastic. Now, again, taking into account our audience that's mostly team-based, the players way outnumber the coaches in the weight room. Now, what would be your advice on a coach trying to individualize a program that would fit each or at least most of the players? I would start by, by just looking at their body types. Okay. Uh, looking at, you're not going to have a six foot five guy lift with a five foot eight guy. You know, six foot five guys probably shouldn't be back squatting. We're five foot eight guys. We can get away with back squatting. You know, body type number one, I would, I would look at that for individualization. 
I would look at, I would do a laxity test where just, you know, elbow extension, um, touching the, the hands to the floor. How will they do that? You don't want to increase mobility to an already lax guy where we see in baseball players, we have a lot of laxity in our sport, you know, so we don't want a stiff guy to be lifting with a lax guy and they're pairing up and doing a bunch of stretching, you know, and vice versa, right? You don't want a, a stable guy or a stiff guy not doing any kind of mobility work. So those two things right there would be a great start for uh, any any high school coach or uh, youth coach just just by looking at the body type, looking at, you know, how flexible they are. And then obviously kind of going from there, if they're, like I mentioned before, if they're 6'5", you know, or higher or not even that, 6'1", six, 6'2", six, six, maybe don't back squat them, you know, maybe do a, a sumo deadlifts or something like mm-hmm. that. Well, that's great. Now, this is a really interesting debate, too, and that's in-season training. So if we talked about this 10 years ago, it would be a completely different topic. But my thoughts are that, you know, we should be at our strongest in-season when we're actually playing. But talk to us about an ideal situation. What would our in-season training look like? You know, I'm happy if we get three three days in during the week with our high school groups. You know, we're really going to cut back on foot contact to the floor. Uh, just because they're probably running a lot at practice and games and, you know, eliminate kind of cutting, change direction work, create more athleticism through maybe kettlebell work or, you know, something like that. You know, we're going to eliminate rotational work, add more anti-rotational, anti-extension, core stability exercises because, you know, in our facility, you've had uh, Chris Dunn on before. He's mm-hmm. our hitting guy. He, uh, our, our guys hit with him year round. So there's taking extra swings during the season, you know, after practice or before games or after games, whatever it may be. So they're getting a ton of rotational work. We're always working behind the eight ball with baseball. We understand that we're, you know, we're the strength coaches. We're, you know, we're, we're secondary, you know, to the sport. They're not Olympic lifters. They're, they're baseball. So we want to, we want to be sure they're not throwing more med balls, you know, basic med ball slam spine, or I'm talking about more rotational work, you know, shot puts, scoop tosses, all that kind of stuff. And really focusing on regaining the loss range of motion from throwing, from hitting. We see a lot of hip internal rotation loss, uh, shoulder internal rotation loss. So re- really chasing that loss range of motion and addressing the deficiencies that are developed throughout the time of the year. Obviously, while getting stronger, you know, we want to we want to set PRs in season. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we'll decrease the the reps, we'll de- decrease okay. you know the the overall volume. But you know, the guys are going to be you know getting stronger. It might go from two to four reps during season, where uh, off season we're maybe four to four to six, four to eight reps, depending on the guy. Now, would you change your in season lifts, or are you hitting the foundational lifts to help the players not be as sore? No, I mean, we, we stress our foundational lifts year round because if they're doing it year round, they're not going to be sore. They should right. be, be able to lift. Okay. They should be able to lift on game day. Okay. You know, they, that, that's where our job is. The strength coach is going to come in and, you know, we're not going to crush their CNS and make them so sore, you know, a day before a game with a ton of reps, a ton of volume, a ton of, you know, all that stuff. So, you know, that's, that's our job where we're going to kind of limit limit the reps, limit the sets, but still still get stronger throughout that time using our foundational movements. I love it. There's been a lot of talk about pitcher recovery and I've, you know, kind of been a post-throwing Nazi the last couple of years and it's 
you know, once, once you're done throwing, then let's get your post throwing done and let's go get some sprints in. But after reading some stuff on social media and Dr. Stephen Oster's book, which is fantastic, I've started to really rethink some stuff. So can you hit on that a little bit? For me, it's all feel with the, with the guy. Uh, what I like to do, obviously, baseball players are such routine animals, right? You know, so I, I'm going to recommend stuff. My recommendation, you know, I don't like band work post throw just because it's like mm-hmm. or sprinting work or post throw just because it's you like you taking a marathon runner and having them run more to cool down mm-hmm. you know you're, you're taking an already exhausted muscle group or a system and exhausting it more you know we want to that's where we're going to kind of hit our soft uh, soft tissue techniques our mobilization our uh, range of motion all those different things I mentioned before, uh, breathing techniques, all that kind of stuff. And then the day after, you know, I'm all for it. They're going to still going to probably throw the day after, but you know, we'll do some pre band work, pre throwing band work. And then we'll do some post throwing sprint work that the day after they, they play catch. And then after that, they'll probably go and our guys will go on toss day, uh, where they're going to just play long toss, maybe do a couple more sprints. Uh, after that, it'd be a day off mobility work all that kind of stuff, and then kind of go from there, depending on when their bullpen is, what they like to do. Got it. Now, give us some advice on what some of the most common problems that you see with kids, and you know how, as we, how can we as coaches pr- help prevent these problems? The uh, most common problem I see with athletes or on the baseball side are guys playing too much, obviously, creating deficiencies where they're just overdoing it, overthrowing, overthrowing, uh, lack of stability, you know, guys, the more you throw, the less, you know, stable the shoulder shoulder gets. So, you know, we're always chasing that. Like I mentioned before, we see a lot of guys stuck in extension, rotating through extension, creating back issues, knee issues, whatever it may be. Thinking that their 75-mile-an-hour fastball is going to get them that, you know, that full-ride scholarship to LSU or to Florida or whatever it may be, you know, versus not – devoting time to development guys should be coming to see you versus you going to see them i tell our guys all the time develop a product where you you know where you think a coach wants to come see you no offense to the, the kids you know no no big school is going to want to see a 78 mile an hour fastball on the visual side of stuff we see a lot of kids stuck in extension not not have motion overhead and then trying to throw a baseball you know, or hit a baseball. Like I mentioned before, you don't want it to, you know, rotate through extension. You want to be able to rotate through your hips, you know, overhead, overhead, lack of overhead flexion is going to be due to the fact that your rib cage is flared or improper scap positioning or scap patterns or whatever it may be. Um, all those things kind of go together. So those two things, I, I kind of see the biggest, biggest issues on the, the playing side and then on the training side. Now, DJ, to me, it sounds like you're a lifelong learner from some of the conversations that we've had, but what is something that you're changing from last year's program that you have or will be implementing this year? Yeah, we actually just revamped our entire assessment process, which is pretty exciting for me. I still love doing our assessment uh, just because it's new for me. Every time I, I do it, I get to see the athlete move You know, from our breathing stuff to our Craig's test to all that kind of stuff. You know, PRI has been a, a long, a, around for a while, but, you know, just addressing the, uh, 
the, the patterns through breathing. Uh, that really excites me. Another thing that we've been really excited about was, was VBT stuff, velocity-based training on top of our weighted ball program, just a software called GymAware, uh, which allows us to read bar speed. We use it all year long. We can go from a slow bar to a fast bar, depending on that strength-speed continuum, like I, just, like I mentioned before. Um, another thing I really, really am enjoying is the Rapsodo mm-hmm. software we use. Uh, obviously, everybody knows what that is. Uh, we've, you know, our pitch design's gotten a lot of, lot of fun, especially in our pro group. They kind of battle with each other on that, you know, who can have the best gyro spin slider or whoever can have the best, uh, spin efficiency or lowest spin efficiency on the slider or whatever it may be. So, um, those, those three things are pretty exciting for me. You know, we've gone back and I've looked at my program from, you know, even last year, like what the heck was I thinking? You know, so obviously we're learning something and, you know, we've used a lot of people to learn to learn from and educate us as a staff. You know, we have eight guys on staff where, you know, we're constantly bouncing ideas off each other. One guy might be going to a TPI certification, teaching us, you know, what he learned there, whatever it may be. You know, we're, our program's constantly changing for athletes. So just overall, you know, education of ourselves and educating kids is going to allow us to, you know, be better coaches in whole. Love it. Something I've been trying to change or at least mulling over the idea of changing is revamping uh, traditional warm-ups. So instead of making it something that we just kind of go through the motions, get stretched and ready for catch, you know, it's something that we're, it's something that we need to hit more on mobility, stability, flexibility, and really continue to build on each week and, you know, really invest that time instead of just kind of going through the motions. Uh, another thing that one of my favorite things to do during warm-ups is just to prime the day and to talk with kids before we get started. And I love this part of, of practice because you really get to decompress from the school day and, and get to talk with kids about, you know, what's going on in their lives. But just speaking from a traditional sense, you know, I, I what can what is something that we can do to help make our warm-ups better and how can we optimize this time? Yeah, absolutely. As in a team setting, we, we have uh, uh, our coach is do a phenomenal job. We work with quite a few teams around the area. You know, having to do this right with multiple body types, multiple laxity levels, whatever it may be. Like I mentioned before, you know, the biggest thing we can always incorporate, like I mentioned a thousand times already is breathing, you know, breathe, breathe, breathe. Anybody can, anybody can learn to breathe correctly and then add maybe a hamstring exercise to that breathing, maybe a 99 breathing on bench with uh, their arms above their head, get some scapular protraction. Everybody can benefit from that. After the breathing stuff, you know, we'll kind of go into a quadruped position, do some prone circuits where we're going to do uh, retractions, protractions of the scap, some hip cars, whatever it may be. Everybody can benefit through any kind of range of motion through their scaps or their uh, their hips. Um, as long as we're not t- tugging on them or torching on them, that's, that's okay. After that, we maybe we'll hop them up. We'll do some CNS activation, maybe a couple hops, some A skips, uh, lunge with reach, crossover lunges, inchworms, crawling, bear crawls, reverse bear crawls, tempo bear crawls, dead bugs, anything to get the core activated. I fully believe that a lot of performance is left on the field due to lack of, lack of warm up and lack of preparation. They really need to focus on priming the system and getting the system ready to rock and roll versus going out there and just showing up to the field, jumping in the cage and taking BP. 
you know, so that's the first thing we want to stress is getting, getting that, that body warmed up, ready, ready to move, ready to, to understand this demands through, through baseball. Baseball's throwing a baseball is the most violent movement in all of sports. Throwing, swinging a, a baseball bat was one of the most violent movements in all of sports. You know, if we just roll out there cold, we're going to see a lot of, a lot of injuries. Should we be doing the same things every day or switching it up day to day, uh, week to week, month to month, or should we, and should we incorporate some med balls into the warm up? So with our, our individualization stuff, we have a three week three week warm up to the guys do. So the, so we you know we're really addressing you know hip stability, core stability, whatever it may be. Um, so that those things are going to stick. And they're, say they're lifting three to four days a week with us. They're going to be doing those that that movement for three week or that specialized warm up for three to four uh, weeks. And then on the team setting, it's going to be kind of the same thing, you know, depending on what, what phases they're in each day and their warm up is going to, you know, if they're deadlifting, they're going to do a little more, you know, maybe an inchworm set or something like that. So it, it varies, honestly. I like to keep it the same just because we're going to get the stick. I know it gets boring, like you mentioned before, but we really want to focus on getting the kids to feel those hamstrings kick on, to feel those glutes kick on, to feel the, the scap you know, move to, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then on the med ball side, we absolutely do. We, a lot of our, we call it CNS prep. So we do mobility and then CNS prep and it's going to be med ball work, you know, basic slams, tosses, scoops, shot puts, uh, single leg shot puts, uh, lunge, lunge with a slam or something like that. So, uh, we, we always program, uh, some kind of CNS activation, a lot of med ball work, prior to their their meat potatoes of the workout love it well we're all trying to learn and get better and you hit on this a little bit earlier but what's something that you've learned lately that you're really excited about yeah i i i've been really reading a book on uh on just myself on coaching and leadership uh you know it's not science it's not you know anything like that i do listen to you know your podcast all the time and thank you you listen to other podcasts and reviewing peer peer reviewed articles on the science side but you know leadership roles um you know being more present uh in the moment kind of things for me is is really exciting for me um the fact that you know when i first started i was working 5 a.m to 10 p.m every single day seven days a week to grow my business that the fact that i'm able to take take a step back and allow other coaches to be in a leadership role um, you know, I want to be able to help them develop into, you know, better coaches and better business people. And, you know, we want to build their brand as much as they're, you know, much as we're building our brand mm-hmm. as coaches, you know, I want my coaches to be successful. So on my end, I'm just really excited to help coach coaches, you know, learn, learn what they need. I've been reading a lot of books on communication. I, I've been wearing it more versus, you know, making excuses more. Mm-hmm. Does that, if that makes sense. You know, I, I want to, you know, it's, it's my fault. Essentially, I own the business. I want to tell the guys that, you know, if I mess up, it's on me. It's not anybody else's fault. If our business tanks, it's my fault. Nobody else's fault. If, the, if we double, double charge a kid on a, on something, it's, it's our fault, not our billing, not, not the billing company's fault. You know, communication, honesty, all that kind of stuff is what I'm really excited about. I know that's not kind of what the question you're looking, answer you're looking for, but that's where, that's where I'm at right now. No, that's fantastic. And, you know, the more I read and research, the more that I believe that almost every problem is a leadership problem. And another theory that I've been mulling over lately is that of communication. So, you know, my theory is that 
communication is the most important factor of being a good leader. And I think that almost every problem can be boiled down to a communication problem, whether it's the lack of communication or unclear communication. But you also hit on how important relationships are to you. So what is something that you guys do that your kids just can't get enough of? (laughs) Every Monday we do, especially in the summertime, so we have a lot more time with the guys. Uh, it's, it's our only time we have our membership guys because we're, we're so individualized from the, from the warmups to the strength stuff to everything. We all get together and we play a game from 11 o'clock to one o'clock or 1130 to one o'clock. So we either play spike ball, ultimate meta ball, which is ultimate frisbee with the medicine ball. So we're working on a bunch of change of direction, uh, med ball throwing, you know, shot putting tosses all that kind of stuff. Uh, we might play ultimate football. We're playing, you know, same kind of thing with the football, playing football, uh, going to Red Rocks, which is the amphitheater here, doing some sprint work, going to an incline to do some sprint work, uh, just getting outside the gym and, you know, getting that camaraderie together with the between the coaches, the athletes. You know, we get competitive because the coaches are always on the team and we're always trying to beat the athletes and the athletes are always trying to beat us. So, a couple of weeks ago, we went to Red Rocks, which is absolutely gorgeous if you're ever in Colorado. We had, I think we had, uh, I want to say 70 guys there. Got to do, awesome. got to do, uh, you know, speed work with the guys there and sprint work with the guys and, you know, just being outside and enjoying that away from the weight room. It's really fun just building those relationships. And then usually, you know, we'll go to, you know, a breakfast after or lunch after or I'll, you know, I'll buy my staff food or whatever it may be. Just try and take care of them and, let them be be around a, a happy environment. Man, I love that. Well, DJ, can you share with us some of your favorite resources or books that have shaped your coaching career? Yeah, absolutely. Big resource for me, obviously, Eric Cressy, uh, Lauren Landau, who's out of Denver. He's a speed guy. They're probably two mentor. And Chris Dunn, uh, the hitting guy, we do a lot of our assessments together. You know, he's always a good mind, just keeps me on my toes and asks me what I see in a swing. And, mm-hmm. you know, if I try, if I get complacent, I'm like, I don't see it. He'll point it out. So on the movement side, that's just really good for me. Dr. Zach Harmon and Dr. Nick Thurlow are two PTs I, I follow closely with. You know, they're, they're on the up and up as well. They're, uh, you know, two close friends of mine. Those, those guys teach me a lot just on the, on the testing, assessing, all that kind of stuff. So those, that kind of core group of guys right there is, you know, is our business. And I love those guys and they, you know, they're educating me as much as possible. Fantastic. Well, thanks again for coming on the show. And if our listeners would like to get in touch with you, what would be the easiest way to do so? Yeah. My email is uh, DJ at performance co.com. And then obviously on Instagram and Twitter, uh, it's DJ underscore Edwards nine on both. Uh, I post a lot of stuff. A lot of my social media is just basic, you know, free information uh, on Instagram. And then, you know, Twitter is more, more of a way to get a hold of me. Just, you know, talk to me about, about stuff. I know, I know I'm not that cool. I'll get, I'll get cool <laughs> one day, but you know, just, I love, I love teaching, love talking. So, you know, I appreciate everything you're doing. And, you know, I know we, we do a lot of individualization stuff and I know it was fun to talk about the team setting. So that was cool for me to talk about that. Thank you for listening to Ahead of the Curve. Before you go, I'd love to be able to get in touch with you, and we have several different ways of doing so. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at AOTC underscore podcast. 
You can join the AOTC Coaches Facebook group. And if you want to be a part of the mini clinic emails, both of those links are listed below. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a rating or review to help others find and stay ahead of the curve.